Hi, and welcome to this week's episode of Shooting Through with Cheryl Ryan from 123 Travel. Located right in the heart of Budrum on the Sunshine Coast in Australia, just minutes away from the beach. As a local resident and owner of 123 Travel, I've been blessed with travelling all over the world to some incredible destinations. So wherever you are, relax and let me take you on a journey. This week we head to Tasmania in Australia. My name is Cheryl Ryan and I'll be your host today. We're heading off to our most southern state in Australia, Tasmania, and as I touch down in Hobart, I can feel the southern chill in the air, a pleasant change from the humidity and heat of Queensland. If you're heading down to Tasmania, then it is the perfect destination for a self-drive holiday. Ten days will have you circle the entire island with plenty of time to stop off and enjoy a variety of destinations. Of course, it will depend on your taste, plenty of wineries and great restaurants for those who love their sipping and tasting, and there's plenty for families to do, couples or independent travellers. If you love a bit of golf, then there's a couple of amazing golf courses worthy of mention. Tasmania holds the top three courses for best in Australia. King Island sits at number one with Cape Wickham Golf Glinks course and is followed by Barn Boogle just northeast of Launceston. Golf with scenery and class. So if you love your golf and you want to enjoy some touring at the same time, then this is the perfect combination. I personally love Hobart as it's nestled around the estuary of the River Derwent, making it the most southern of Australia's capital cities. Its skyline is dominated by the 1,271 metre Mount Wellington, and its harbour forms the second deepest natural port in the world, with much of the city's waterfront consisting of reclaimed land. Mount Wellington on a clear day, which can be hard to find at the top, offers spectacular views of the surrounding area and well worth the drive up. However, clouds often form over the top, blocking the views more often than not. So you may need to be patient and wait as the clouds come out. Of course, if you are an art lover, then a visit to Mona is a must-do. Even if you're not an art lover, it's an experience worth the visit. The Museum of Old and New Art, known as Mona, is an art museum located within the Marilla Winery on the Berrydale Peninsula just outside Hobart Hobart City. (coughs) It is the largest privately funded museum in the Southern Hemisphere. Mona houses ancient, modern and contemporary art from the David Walsh Collection. Noted for its central themes of sex and death, the museum has been described by Walsh as a subversive adult Disneyland. Mona was officially opened on the 21st of January 2011, and along with its frequently updated indoor collection, Mona also hosts the annual Mona Foma and Dark Mofo Music and Art Festivals, which showcase large-scale public art and live performances. David Walsh was a professional gambler and he made his fortune by developing a gambling system used to bet on horses and other sports. It is reported that in 2009, Walsh and his syndicate reportedly won around 16 to $17 million over the male carnival. A bad time for the bookies in 2009. Either way, a visit to Mona will certainly offer thought-provoking artwork as you work your way through this incredible gallery. 
Part of the fun of getting out to Mona is a trip in the posh pit on the ferry from Hobart waterfront. During your 30 minutes journey, you'll get to enjoy a champagne and some canopies, all part of the posh pit service. Allow several hours to really enjoy Mona as there's so much to discover. If you have the time, consider dining at one of the amazing restaurants and make a full day of it. Now, the other thing that Hobart is well-renowned for is the Salamanca Markets. They're held every Saturday morning. Local artisans from all over Tasmania show off their local crafts and produce. This is a great place to buy last-minute gifts to take home. Try some of the local produce or buy a piece of handmade jewellery or clothing. It is one of my favourites to visit when I'm in Hobart, but don't forget to ensure that when you're coming down that it is only on a Saturday, so plan your trip around being in Hobart on a Saturday morning. I've long waited to visit Bruny Island south of Hobart, so I booked myself a day tour, 12 hours, picked up in Hobart and a return drop-off. I was a little resistant thinking about 12 hours on a bus tour, but I was game to try anything once. And after a bright and early start, I joined a small group of about 10 people um, on the bus and the driver was jovial and chatted away with bad dad jokes and stories. I was hoping that wasn't going to go for 12 hours. And we crossed by a vehicle ferry over to Bruni and our first stop was at a little beach where we were treated to Bruni Island oysters and local cheeses and of course a coffee which was well needed by this stage. I secretly was hoping for a champagne match but maybe later in the day. So next stop was the narrow sandy strip known as the Neck Lookout and the Wildlife Reserve where I climbed the 279, yes I counted them, timber steps right to the top of the true, it's called the Truganini Lookout in on Bruny Island and it's one of the most photographed geological formations. With 360 degree views it is well worth every one of those wooden steps. Then it was back on our little bus and onwards to the Cape Bruny Lighthouse. Now this is where I joined Australia's southernmost lighthouse tour. The Cape Bruny Lighthouse is the only southern Tasmanian lighthouse open for tours and the heritage listed 1836 when it was first lit in 1838 on Cape Bruny. The lighthouse tower is about 114 metres above dramatic cliff tops and coves that form this wild, rugged Tasmanian coastline of Cape Bruny. And I'm not sure I can say I had the pleasure of climbing out on the balcony in the strong winds, but I was grateful to get around the other side with the wind blocked. The views are incredible, but the wind has the chill coming off the Antarctic so rug up. John Lee Archer, the famous architect that designed many well-known structures around the world, was well ahead of his time and the iconic lighthouse he designed still stands proudly today for everyone to enjoy, so it's well worth the visit. Now it was time to start enjoying some of the local island produce and there was no shortage of this. First stop was Bruni Island Honey Shop, every flavour you could wish to sample. My favourite was being the creamed honey versions and there was lots of uh, different choices within this. And if things were not sweet enough, we stopped off for a visit to the chocolate and fudge shop to do some further tasting and stock up on my supplies. The local hotel Bruni sits overlooking Sunset Beach and a great stop for lunch. Food was tasty and generous portions and I had a couple of local wines and I was ready to go off again. This time checking out the local wildlife. 
the white wallaby, which is only found on Bruni and roams around freely, so quite easy to spot. A couple of short walks, one being Two Tree Point and Resolution Creek, where Captain Cook once gathered his water. Last but not least was one of my favourite stops, the Bruni Island Bakery. Not your usual style bakery, and it was it only sold freshly baked bread, still warm. We pulled up down a little side dirt road where I spotted an old fridge upright against a tree with written on it Bruni Island Bakery. There was a table with a note about the honesty system for purchases. Either pop your cash in the box or use the bank details on the outside of the fridge and do a direct transfer of funds. This was gold and of course I gathered up a couple of warm loaves to take home. Now I recall being concerned about the 12 hour journey. It had passed without me even noticing and there were so many stops along the way that I did not feel confined to the bus at all. The only regret was not having a few more days on the island to further explore and perhaps another loaf of bread. One of the very special things about Tasmania is its wilderness and wildlife and they go hand in hand. So on one of my most recent trips down there, I thought I'd get up in the air and head out to some of the more remote places that you cannot access by road. And there are plenty of those in Tasmania. Tasmania's largest expanse of wilderness is in the Southwest National Park, a remote and rugged landscape in the heart of Tasmanian wilderness world, a heritage area, home to the the majestic Huon Pine, Sassafras, Celery Top, and myrtle. The region is awash with the distinctive fragrances of the Tasmanian forest. The Gordon River Road is a narrow ribbon through the largely untracked region of the forest, imposing mountain ranges and button grass plains, providing access to the vast expanse of Lake Pedder and Lake Gordon. In Southwest National Park, you'll find one of Tasmania's most challenging wilderness walks, the multi-day South Coast Track. There are also endless shorter walks to take you up and over mountains and out to the coast. Not keen to pull on my hiking boots, I opted for a cruise on Lake Bathurst. Par Avion operate from Cambridge, a 15-minute drive east of Hobart, and offer daily and custom flights to Malaluka. After a scenic flight in a four-seater plane, we landed on a pebble runway at Malaluka in the remote and wilderness of the Southwest National Park. I will make mention the scenic flight on the way down there. You get to see Bruni Island from above, which was an absolute delight after having been there. And I could spot the lighthouse in the distance. We ventured for a short walk down to the river where we boarded what appeared like a longboat in the shape of a tinny. We drifted gently along as our guide told us about the critically endangered orange-bellied parrot, which may be seen between October and March. This rare, beautiful bird breeds solely in the southwest corner of the Tasmanian Wilderness World Heritage Area. Speaking of endangered animals, it made me consider that the Tasmanian tiger could easily still be in existence in this remote wilderness. There are a few claims that they have been seen for brief moments in the wild in Australia. However, it is believed that the last Tasmanian tiger went extinct in the 1930s. So as we came out of the river onto Bathurst Harbour, as it is called, but it is more like a large lake to be more accurate in description, 
we pulled up onto the beach to settle into a delightful morning tea overlooking the lake and surrounding mountains, a truly picturesque moment that could not be captured except by the eye. We headed across the lake after morning tea to the entrance to Breaksea Islands. The Breaksea Islands guard the entrance to Port Davy, aptly named these islands protect the harbour from the wild swells of the southwest coast. In our little tinny or tender, we cruise through the rushing channels of these waves and wind-battered islands, exploring their impossibly rocky coastline, blowholes and hidden sea caves. It certainly felt like nature had this coastline well guarded as we rocked around enjoying the blowholes spraying high up into the air with the intrigue of caves tucked in behind. My morning tea was starting to rise from my stomach and I was quite grateful as we headed back into the tranquil waters of the lake and the river. The chilly air had me gloved up and a scarf wrapped around my ears. As we headed back downstream, we stopped off at the overnight hikers camp where we enjoyed a hot cuppa and some lunch. I was so grateful for the little gas heater which I sat myself down next to. Our local guide shared some stories that kept us well entertained of river and camp antics over the years. The camp offers a fly-in, fly-out, with a couple of nights at the campsite and walks each day. Walks range from a moderate to difficult, so you do need a bit of training in, in this before signing up. The accommodation is cabin, no heating but nice comfortable beds and a great kitchen set up. Saying our farewells, we headed back to our aeroplane, awaiting us and boarded for our trip back to Hobart. On the return trip, we passed over the Huon Pine forests and mountain ranges before flying over Hobart City and the waterfront. A spectacular trip and I cannot recommend enough if you get down to Hobart and have a spare day to fill. Don't forget to rug up with something warm for this one though. Keen for another up-in-the-air experience, I decided to try out the seaplane that was parked outside my accommodation in the middle of the Hobart Harbour. The pilot informed us that the plane was designed to land on water or land, which I found reassuring in some form. After a smooth liftoff, we headed southwest to check out Port Arthur and the Three Capes, which is well-renowned by hikers from all over the world. We landed smoothly just inside the bay at Port Arthur and our pilot talked us through the history and pointed out buildings as he explained time frames and shared some great stories. I had visited Port Arthur Arthur several times, but I had not seen it from the air or the bay like this. Lift off again, and we were up in the air, heading out over the three capes. Spectacular scenery, and much easier than the hikers that I could see below, slugging it out. The three capes are made up of Cape Rao, the easiest of the capes, but around 14 kilometres, followed by, now this is an interesting one because I have no idea how to pronounce it, or even just trying to read it makes my brain uncomfortable, but I've settled on saying her way, Cape Herway, with enough conviction that people now think I know what I'm talking about, which is well known for its endless steps that ascend and descend nearly the entire length of the trail, at around 8 kilometres. I'm sure it gets called plenty of other names given the amount of steps that people have to climb up. The last cape is Cape Pillar, around 9 kilometres and is moderate to hard going. So however you look at it, it's a hard hike. Understanding now why I'm up in the air 
over these amazing cliffs offering incredible 380 views, in all honesty, I am really training to complete this trail in November 2022. I will be taking a small escorted group of just 10 down to do this hike, so if you think you're up to it, drop me a line and come along. So my last adventure was in another small plane from Hobart heading northeast to Freysonet National Park and then on to Mariah Island. Both very different but both offering spectacular scenery and history. Freysonet National Park is well known for the Wineglass Bay which when you fly over really does not look anything like a wine glass. But our pilot shared with me a much darker story surrounding the name Wineglass Bay, one that I can assure you does not involve a good bottle of red. Apparently the area was used for whaling in the early 1800s and the soft blue waters stained red with the blood of the whales to resemble the rich hue of your glass of red wine. Hence the bay acquired its name. I'm not sure about you, but I think I prefer to let my mind believe in the shape rather than the blood-stained waters. Freysonet National Park offers some great walks and camping facilities for those wishing to explore on foot. The hazards range, surround the bay and the climb up to the top will make the slog uphill well worthwhile. From the lookout, you can take the steps down to the beach and enjoy a dip in the turquoise waters. However, don't forget, you do have to return back up those stairs. If you're seeking out flora and fauna, then you'll be pleased to discover there are over 500 plants that have been recorded within the park, with over 80 species of orchids being sighted. My love of orchids was enough reason for me to take the hike within the park. It is also home to a plethora of wildlife, including wombats, wallabies, quolls, Tasmanian devils and long-nosed potteroos. A huge variety of bird species exists, such as sea eagles, black cockatoos and green rosellas. Offshore in the waters, seals, bottlenose dolphins and the southern right whales are regular visitors to the area. Now continuing with the flight, we head south of Freysonet to Mariah Island, one of the more secluded parts of Tasmania to visit and one of the most beautiful if you are travelling from Hobart, you will journey up the coast to a small town called Tribiana, which is where you can catch the ferry across. I cannot mention the fish and chippery at this little port area enough, and it's so well worth the stop. They serve the best fish and chips, so pick some up before you head onto the ferry, over to Mariah Island, and enjoy yourself a picnic. On a note regarding facilities on the island, as it is a non-functional historic town from the convict, convict era, industrial era, there is a restroom facility, a ranger station and pushbike hire services available. Besides that, there are no other services or shops. You must bring your own lunch and drinks for the day. There is plenty of fascinating history to discover on a visit and plenty of beautiful scenery on some of the walks around the island, but it's not much fun if you come without your water or your lunch. There are two walks that are great for day visitors, the Fossil Cliffs Walk with impressive views of the sea cliffs and the Reservoir Tracks are some of the prettiest with lush bushland. You are more than likely to meet some of the locals upon arrival in the form of the wildlife and there are plenty to meet around the main arrival point at Darlington. The island is also home to the Tasmanian Devils but they are a little shyer and more difficult to spot. 
Our landing proved to be more difficult than planned as our first attempt we discovered the grassy runway was also being utilised by the local wildlife. We did a low fly by hoping just to scare them off and circled around for a second attempt. However, our local wildlife was not keen and not going to be deterred that easy. A third attempt with the assistance of the on-ground staff chasing the wildlife from the runway saw us land safely without any casualties. Mariah Island has a long and rich history, going well back and before the colonial era. In fact, remnants from the Aboriginal people can still be seen today. In 1642, the island was named by the Dutch explorer Abel Tasman after Maria van Diemen, wife of Anthony van Diemen, the Governor-General of the Dutch East Indies. However, the island is largely known today as a previous convict settlement for two periods in the first half of the 19th century. The island's first convict area era took place between 1825 and 1832, and its second, the probation station era, was between 1842 and 1850. Three structures from the first convict era remain in the Darlington area. The commissariat store, built in 1825 and presently used as the park's reception and visitor centre, with information about the island, the convict penitentiary, completed in 1828, and now used to accommodate visitors, and the convict-built dam on the Bonarches Creek, which still provides Darlington's water. Convicts sent to Mariah Island worked in a number of different industries, including timber cutting, tanning, shoemaking and cloth production. Due to rampant disciplinary problems, Mariah Island was closed and much of the remaining convict population relocated to Port Arthur in 1832. The site was eventually closed down in 1850 due to overcrowding. After a fascinating day, we climbed back aboard our plane and headed back to Hobart, ready to relax with a glass of wine and a dozen Bruny Island oysters. The perfect ending to a day. To finish off, can I suggest a couple of my favourite places to visit around Hobart as a bit of a recap. Definitely a day trip to Bruny Island. Take the Posh Pit Ferry and visit Mona for the day. For wineries, take a day tour to Richmond and the surrounding vineyards. That way you get to add in some shopping along with some good wine. Highly recommend Frogmore Creek for lunch. If you want to get up in the skies and do one of the flights, I've mentioned that it will be well worthwhile. Take a drive up to Mount Wellington and enjoy the views. A couple of my favourite dining options for Hobart, and they include Miwa for incredible Chinese food, Deer Maker for the experience and exceptional food, upmarket experience, and Landscape for a special occasion. For a fun, relaxed night, we head out to the Hanging Gardens in the CBD, and this has also been designed by David Walsh, and it offers outdoor pop-up food, live music, and a great bar scene. Outdoor heaters keep the chill factor down, but just rug up. Sip and paint, it's a lot of fun and can be found at the MacQ1 Hotel. Book in with a group of friends and sip your way to a masterpiece. So that's it for me on Tasmania this week. Join me again soon as I take you to some more interesting places around Australia. 
that's all from me this week. Thanks for listening. And remember, if you want to support the show, then share, subscribe, and leave a review or comment. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram at 123TravelBudrum and on Twitter at 123TravelAbout. You can also find all my episodes and loads of great travel information on my website at 123travel.com.au. I look forward to having you join me on the next episode of Shooting Through.